democracy. If I had to pick one word to describe what's going on in the United States today and in this current administration, it would be hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in policy, hypocrisy in terms of double standards. But the double standard, the issue of the moment, is this unbelievable and almost unprecedented uh, war against law enforcement in all of its forms. This never-ending campaign against the police to defund the police, to abolish the police, to abolish prisons, and leave us all to depend on yet some undefined new entity that would take on the functions of the police department. And we can pretty much guess what that entity would be, a national police force controlled by a centralized government for the purposes of suppressing freedom and liberty among the populists to make it easier to impose a socialist and ultimately a communist government on this country. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three very easy ways. Go to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending which device you use, and simply search the NPO podcast and click subscribe. You'll always be informed every time a new episode is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. You can also leave comments, leave reviews, and we please do ask that you leave us some positive reviews. The show will grow much quicker that way as it will be more readily found in the search results of the stores. Uh, if we get more reviews. If you prefer to use a third-party podcast aggregator app instead of your native app, simply download the free Podbean app in one of those two app stores and subscribe to the show that way. You can also leave reviews and make comments. So the hypocrisy today is quite plain, and it's in stark contrast. On one hand, we have what's going on in a very, very blue city in a very, very blue state, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then we have what is not going on, in a manner of speaking, in Washington, D.C., the place where all the quintessential liberals who think they know best, particularly when it comes to law enforcement, reside. Now, today, Thursday the 15th of April, the defense in the trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin uh, has, has rested The prosecution is already rested, and so now there will be closing arguments, and then there will be a deliberation. Now, I told you long ago that I doubt very much in a legitimate trial they can convict Officer Chauvin for one reason and one reason only. Most people who are uninitiated with these type of cases that have never followed these type of cases or have never studied these type of cases, the average person, and it's not their fault because they're being manipulated by the media, simply look at the video. If a picture is worth a thousand words, they think a video must be worth 20,000 words. And the video clearly shows Officer Chauvin with his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck. Now, no one's going to dispute that, and I'm sure even Officer Chauvin, if he testified, which he chose not to, uh, because I think in this case, since there is a video, there's nothing that he could say uh, that would lend anything to the trial. All he could do would be to deny 
that he intended to cause any harm, which the defense is, is already advocating for him. So there's probably no point in, in him testifying, only a downside, just an attempt to try and portray him as some sort of animal or white supremacist or brutal officer. But the, the big thing that people have to look at, again, I told you before, is causation. You can prove from now until tomorrow, till next year, till the next century, that Officer Chauvin had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck. That's not what matters. What really matters is whether the knee on his neck is the proximate cause of his death. Now, according to the medical examiner, the autopsy conducted shows that there is no injury to Mr. Chauvin's neck. Now, if there is no injury, uh, then there is no causation. There's no injury. There's no indication that it uh, caused his asphyxia. And since there is no injury, it also basically undercuts the arguments of every prosecution expert witness who claims to be an expert on deadly force or or homicide, such as the lieutenant who said that um, that was top-tier deadly force. Well, you really can't have top-tier deadly force applied to someone and no injury result from it. Top-tier deadly force, to me, puts it on an equivalent uh, footing with a shooting, with a stabbing, Anytime someone is shot or stabbed, uh, a serious injury, or at least some form of injury results. In many cases, it's a fatal injury. Here we have no injury from this alleged top-tier deadly force, which sort of undercuts the argument that it was top-tier deadly force in the first place. This all accrues to Officer Chauvin's benefit. Now, there was... um, a use-of-force expert called by the prosecution to rebut uh, use-of-force cases, uh, use-of-force witnesses by the um, defense, trying to say that Officer Chauvin used unreasonable force. But again, there's no injury here. And this is not an assault trial. This is a trial for homicide. Uh, If they try and get him on homicide, I don't see that flying. Now, strangely, in this same city... In the same city a few days ago, a man was shot by the Minneapolis police. He was shot by a woman who has since resigned, a 25-year veteran, Kim Potter. Now, this man was Dante Wright. Now, right away, the media is doing what they always do. They're attempting to portray Dante Wright as some uh, upstanding, first-class citizen, a model citizen, if you were, and Dante Wright was anything but. Dante Wright, which you have not been reading about, was wanted for aggravated robbery from uh, an incident on February 11th of this year, and he has been on the run since then. And this explains why, despite the officers treating him very civilly in the beginning, as they took him from his car, stopping him for a minor offense, as police officers often do, and were proceeding to handcuff him, suddenly Dante Wright bolted. Once Dante Wright realized he wasn't simply going to be given a summons and sent on his way so he could avoid uh, prosecution for the robbery he's wanted in connection of, once he realized he was going to be brought to a police facility where he knows a background check or a warrant check is going to be run on him and reveal that he is wanted for a robbery, Dante Wright decided it was time for him to bolt, and he decided to fight. Now, in the heat of this confrontation, this veteran officer, Kim Potter, clearly said the words, taser, 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 
making clear her intention to draw a taser and fire the taser and alert this man that he, if, he, if he continued to resist, he was going to be tasered. She mistakenly drew her service weapon, which was a semi-automatic pistol, and she fired that. And when she did, she struck him with a fatal shot. Now, I don't think that qualifies as manslaughter. Uh, it may even just qualify as an unfortunate, tragic, accidental death. But it's not manslaughter. This woman didn't act wasn't acting recklessly. She was acting under the heat of battle. And the circumstances that caused her to have to resort to this force were set in motion by Mr. Wright himself, by no one else. It's very clear from that video that if Mr. Wright didn't decide to do the wrong thing and resist, he would have been handcuffed in a very civil manner and brought to the station house. So this is another case of media overreaction. At the very least, at the, at the, I should say at the most, this thing might rise to the level of what we call here in New York State criminally negligent homicide, which is the lowest level of homicide you can find. Now, I don't know how they came to charge Officer Potter with second-degree manslaughter already. There's clearly been no time to have a grand jury. Perhaps they convened a felony hearing before a justice to try and establish a prima facie case, and then maybe they're going to go with a grand jury at some point down the road, but she's already been charged. Now, in order to spare her fellow police officers in the city any embarrassment, she resigned within two days. The police chief also resigned. Now, the police chief had some very interesting comments. The head of Minnesota's, I'm I'm sorry, uh, the union chief, the chief resigned, uh, but the union chief, um, the largest police union in Minnesota, said that Dante Wright would be alive today if he had simply complied with police orders. This is going to be an unpopular statement, said Brian Peters, executive director of the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association. Dante Wright, if he would have just complied, he was told he was under arrest. They were arresting him on a warrant for weapons. He set off a chain of events that unfortunately led to his death. Of the shooting, Peters said that he is not excusing it, but noted that what we're seeing in policing these days is that non-compliance by the public. And that's true. Non-compliance is something that's being advocated by the race baiters, the Al Sharptons, people like that. They want you to believe that you have a right to make an issue whenever a police officer wants to arrest you. You can't. At least you can't in New York State and in most other states that have an equivalent law of what New York State's quote-unquote no-sock law is. Now, this is a law passed by the legislature, not by police unions or police departments or police officers or even edicts given by commissioners. This is something passed by the elected representatives of the people, and they do it in the interest of public order. You can't have people deciding to make an issue on the street when they resist arrest. And every time someone does this, it results in a tragedy. We saw this with Eric Garner. Eric Garner was told he was being arrested. He was being arrested for what I would consider a bullshit charge, but that was not the police officer's fault. They didn't decide to go there for the hell of it. They were sent there. They were sent there in response to a complaint from a store owner who's paying taxes, paying rent, selling legal cigarettes, who complained that despite all of this and his compliance with the law, there was a man outside standing loose, selling Lucy's, untaxed, illegal cigarettes, 
and it was taking away from his business. He has a right to complain. He has a right to expect the police to go and remove this man. He didn't want to be removed. He didn't want to get a summons. He said, I'm not being arrested today. It's not happening. He arbitrarily decided, having violated the law, that he was not going to be subject to arrest. You can't have that. That's why we have the no-sock law. And the example I always give is somebody could walk up to you, a police officer, and say, hey, you, I'm arresting you for the Kennedy assassination. Now, the Kennedy assassination was in 1963, and you weren't born until 1983. And you and I both know you couldn't possibly have committed the Kennedy assassination. And it's also, that wasn't even a federal crime then. It was a crime in the state of Texas. But yet some New York City police officer could come up and arrest you for that. And you don't have a right to say anything about it. That's the will of the legislature. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be brought into the station house. He's going to bring you before the desk sergeant or lieutenant, whoever the case may be. And that superior officer is going to ask this police officer, what do you have here, officer? I've arrested this man for the Kennedy assassination. And he's going to very quietly tell another police officer, please take this prisoner and put him in the holding pen momentarily while I speak to the officer. And he's going to speak to the officer, and that officer is going to be sent to psych services because he's clearly out of his mind. And then the other officer that's taking care of the arrestee is going to fill out an arrest report, void it, and release this man, and this man will have a nice lawsuit against the city of New York. That's the way it works, but that's how you preserve public order and no one gets hurt. Eric Garner didn't want to consent to that. This chap here, Dante Wright, certainly didn't want to consent to it because they knew he ran. He knew now that they had run his name, and there was a warrant for his weapons, offenses, and robbery. They were going to take him in. There's video footage of him on social media brandishing a semi-automatic pistol and making light of it. So Dante Wright was not an upstanding citizen, and he is much to blame in his demise as anyone else. And the fact that people don't want to hear that or don't like that I'm saying that is just too bad, because that's the truth. And sometimes the truth is painful to hear. So we see this going on in Minnesota. We see people who have effectively set in motion themselves the instrumentality of their death, and now we're trying to assign blame. And that's basically what homicide trials are about. Someone is dead. The prosecution, the public doesn't believe that they should be dead. And so therefore, someone has to be at fault. And no one ever thinks for a second that perhaps it was the fault of the people themselves for committing crimes, for resisting and not complying. They violated the law in the first place when they committed the crime. Why are we so shocked that they would violate the rules of arrest and fail to comply with those? So let's juxtapose that with what happened back in Washington, D.C. Back in Washington, D.C., prior to the certification of the votes, when people went to the Capitol to peacefully protest, and other people seeking to infiltrate that protest, Antifa members we now know, encouraged people to break into the Capitol, in fact, had breached the Capitol themselves, and then encouraged MAGA supporters to go in. A woman who I told you no one would remember. Everyone's remembering George Floyd's name. Everyone is going to remember Dante Wright's name. But no one is remembering this lovely woman, Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt was a former veteran of the military, did 14 years, I believe. She was one of the people who were in the Capitol. She was shot while she was attempting to climb through a broken window into the Speaker's lobby, which is adjacent to the House, the House chamber. Now, most all the 
legislators were out of the building at that point. I'm not aware that breaking in to the chamber of the House or the Speaker's lobby is a crime punishable by death or for which deadly physical force can be used to arrest or terminate. This man fired one shot with no justification, and he fatally shot this woman and killed her. No charges are being filed against this officer. They won't even release his name. You want to talk about that yet-to-be-named entity that's going to police people when they abolish the police and prisons? This is what you're talking about. Gestapo-like police tactics. Do as we say, not as we do. The federal government, the Department of Justice, the FBI, who looks down their nose at every local police department and state police agency and thinks they know best and is always ready to point the accusing finger of blame at any police officer who finds himself in the unfortunate circumstance of having to use deadly physical force, suddenly now are beyond reproach when deadly physical force was clearly not justified. A little bit later today on nationalpreviewonline.com, our website, we're going to be uploading from YouTube, a link to the video shooting of Ashley Babbitt. And what you will see is that there was no reason to shoot her, number one. And number two, what you will also see is that within seconds of her being felled by that fatal bullet, she is surrounded by several other uniformed police officers in riot gear. Now, those officers didn't just miraculously and instantaneously materialize in her vicinity as if they were beamed down from the Starship Enterprise. They were there. This idiot, and that's what he was. I don't care that calling him a lieutenant. He was an idiot. This idiot who elected to raise his sidearm and fire at Ashley Babbitt fired effectively into a crowd of police officers and put those officers at risk for an errant shot because there's no guarantee he was going to hit any one person in particular or any one thing. At the very least, this man is guilty of reckless endangerment on a grand scale. That was a densely populated hallway. One of the first things they teach police officers in densely populated urban areas is when you fire a shot, even if you were, even if you were in a situation where a deadly force was justified, you have to be cognizant of what is behind you, what is downrange of what you're shooting at. And you may actually elect not to fire, even though it would be justified to fire. I remember a story that was once told to me by a police officer friend of mine who happened to be an instructor at the academy at the time. And he was explaining about uh, a sergeant that he knew that he felt should have gotten a medal because he didn't fire. He was going to fire at at a man. Uh, The exact circumstances of why he was going to fire, I cannot recall at this time. But the point is, the only reason the sergeant didn't fire is because standing behind this man that he was going to shoot were a bunch of children. And he was very afraid that if the man moved after he fired or moved while he was firing or if he himself got off an errant shot, that one of those children would have been endangered. And as a result of not firing, he himself took a round to the stomach. That's professional, unselfish policing. What this piece of crap that worked at the Capitol Police did, this lieutenant, was nothing more than an act of sheer cowardice. Sheer cowardice and incompetence. And I implore all of you who were within the sound of my voice to take this podcast and share this link 
with as many people as you can on social media because this woman should not have died and her death should not be allowed to go unpunished and should not be allowed to die in vain. This is hypocrisy on the grand scale. Of the three cases I just highlighted for you, the death of Ashley Babbitt, the death of Dante Wright, and the death of George Floyd, this one, far more than the other two, calls out for prosecution and justice. The others do not, as I have explained why. Here, it is completely unjustified. This is the government saying to you, do as we say, and we'll do as we please, as they always have done and always will continue to do until we, the people, put a stop to it. Because after all, they work for us, but we don't work for them. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.